for choosing the podcast of LifePoint Church in Ozark, Missouri. LifePoint is a body of believers led by God's Spirit to engage in His redemptive mission in the world. We love Jesus and desire to serve Him by leading people to be real Christ followers in life together. We hope that this message will be a blessing and an encouragement for your life. If you would like more information about LifePoint Church, please visit us on the web at www.lifepointozark.com. Well, we are in a series titled Three Christian Essentials. And in this series, we're looking at three more obscure New Testament books that instruct in essentials for every Christian. I started this series a couple of weeks ago by looking at the book of 2 John. And in 2 John, we looked at relationships that strengthen for mission. We talked about how Christian fellowship provides spiritual strength to walk in truth and love. And then last week, we talked about Christian faithfulness. And we looked at the character that serves the mission And how Christian faithfulness aligns all of life with God's truth so that we can live all out for God's glory. And today I need to tell you as we move to the book of Philemon and look at today's topic that today will be the most difficult of these three uh, essentials for you in your Christian life. We're going to talk today about forgiveness. About forgiveness. And we're going to see what it means to sacrifice for the sake of of mission because Christians forgive to display God's love in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to go and I want to read for us from the book of Philemon. It's 25 verses long. It will only take a couple of minutes, but you follow along as I read aloud from Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord." So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. 
If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my, bo- uh, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. There is so much good that we can learn about forgiveness and how to forgive in the book of Philemon. But none of it is easy. Because forgiveness is never easy. Forgiveness, though, is the heart of gospel reconciliation. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20, he says this, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ recorded us, or reconciled us, excuse me, to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. God's forgiveness secured on the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason we exist, Christians. It's the reason we exist in relationship with Christ Jesus. It is the reason that we exist in relationship with other Christians. It is the reason that we exist in relationship to the world. Not only in 2 Corinthians, but in other places, Paul says the very fact, the very spiritual truth that God has redeemed us in Jesus Christ redefines the very purpose and the very existence for which we live. Here, he labels that we are ambassadors. With the ministry, in other words, serving others with the ministry of reconciliation and sharing with others the message of reconciliation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christians are ambassadors for God's forgiveness in the world. And so I want you to see today that Christians labor for forgiveness to display God's love in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first thing we're going to see today in Philemon are three roles in pursuing forgiveness. And we see these in the principal characters that are introduced to us in the book of Philemon. First of all, this first role in pursuing forgiveness is the role of what I'll call forgiver. The one who is going to grant forgiveness. This is the one who has been the object of offense, if you will. You see, forgiveness begins with what we give to others when we are the object of offense. And we meet this man in verses 4 through 7 of Philemon. Here's what we learn about Philemon, the man whose very name the book is given for. Philemon was a brother in the Lord to Paul. 
He lived in Colossae and was saved under Paul's ministry in Ephesus, most likely. Colossae was a town that Paul never traveled to, but the greater region uh, held Ephesus as its kind of epicenter. And we know Paul ministered extensively in Ephesus, and most likely uh, at that time Philemon came, was saved under the preaching ministry of Paul, was trained under that ministry, but went back to Colossae to live and to start a church in Colossae. He became a strong and a close supporter of Paul and even a leader in his own church, housing the church in his own home. Paul acknowledges Philemon's love and faith in Jesus and and the way uh, that he extends that love and faith uh, towards other people. He also prays that his witness for the gospel will grow stronger and more effective. Those are key words in considering what's about to be asked of them. And then Paul strongly affirms Philemon's witness and his work for how he is encouraged by it. Might we say Philemon will need every ounce of this spiritual strength and much more faith for what's about to be asked of him as he sits in the role of forgiver. There's a second role that we see introduced in this book. And it is what I will call the role of the offender. For the offender, forgiveness is what we seek when we are the offending party. We're the one that committed the offense. And therefore, forgiveness is what we seek from the one that has been offended. This person is seen in the book of Philemon as his name is Onesimus. Let me tell you a little bit about Onesimus. He was a former bondservant of Philemon, and, and he met Paul during his imprisonment. Now, bondservants were slaves, and so uh, uh, in that day and time, uh, Philemon had every right of ownership over Onesimus. And what Onesimus did was to commit a serious offense against Philemon. He robbed him and he wronged him. He stole from him and then he ran away from him. This was a very serious crime in the legislative judicial system of their day. And that's how we should consider it. You see, Onesimus' wrong was not just a a, a moral wrong in what he did, but it was criminally wrong in their day and time. And what Paul does is he leads Onesimus to Christ. He meets him while he's in prison, and then he sends him back to Philemon, And with him, he gives this letter of recommendation or referral to take with him so that Paul can appeal to Philemon for Onesimus' not only his freedom, a lot more than freedom, friends, for forgiveness, for forgiveness. I can only imagine that this letter must have hit Philemon hard. We don't know how long it had been since Philemon had seen Onesimus, since he had stolen from him and left. We, we, we do know this, though, that in the reading of this letter, Philemon would have been reminded of all the wrong, of all the injustice, of all the hardship and all the sin that took place when Onesimus stole from him and ran away from him. You know, when we're reminded of how we've been wronged, it can be like opening a whole new wound in and of itself. And of course, the difficulty of Philemon's reaction was only compounded by the one who delivered the letter. The very offender himself, Onesimus. 
And so we have this great tension within Philemon at this moment. For here stands the lower than dirt, worthless human being that stole an evidently considerable amount from him and then ran away from him calling, causing even greater economic uh, uh, infraction against him. And yet he brings a letter from probably the single most influential spiritual man in his life, second only to the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul, under whose ministry he was saved and trained for the pastorate. Friends, do not dismiss the great irony of what Philemon finds himself in the midst of. Onesimus stands before him. And Paul is appealing to him. I can only imagine as well what Onesimus must have thought. When Paul said to him, Brother, you're you're a Christian brother now. And because of your faith in Christ, you must go back to Philemon. And you must apologize to him. And so in this moment... Onesimus is standing before Philemon, the one that he robbed and wronged. And he's wondering, how will he respond? You know, that tension between when you ask for forgiveness and it is granted may only last a fraction of a second, but it feels like an eternity. And Onesimus had to wait for the whole letter to be read. Several minutes passed. So it must have been multiple eternities in his heart. Now that you're a Christian, Onesimus, you must go back to Philemon and seek forgiveness. And as much as Onesimus probably didn't necessarily like the idea of returning to Philemon, I think there was one compelling motivation that we can all identify with that was driving him. Everybody wants to rid themselves of that voice of condemnation that sin creates. Everybody who has to labor under the burden and the weight that sin brings upon you wants a reprieve from it. The condemnation and the guilt and the shame that it puts on your conscience and the shadow that it lingers, that it casts over you when sin lingers in you. And you see, the only way to remove the weight of condemnation, to remove the shadow of shame or the weight of guilt is simply to labor for forgiveness because only forgiveness removes guilt. Only forgiveness removes shame. Only forgiveness removes condemnation. If I were to ask today, each one of you, which of these roles would you most want to be in? I suspect most of us would say, I want to be the forgiver. We like having the upper hand, don't we? We like having the high position because strategically, the high position is always the favored location. I mean... After all, who wants to be the guilty offender, right? Wouldn't it be easier to, for, to give forgiveness than to have to ask and, and, and go after it? And yet, even though that's probably the answer of most, 
So many people remain enslaved to unreconciled relationships, not because they were the offender who wouldn't apologize, but because in the role of forgiver, they would not grant forgiveness. They had the high position, but it would not serve them well. Friends, hear me today as we walk into this very difficult, very heavy topic that is very critical for each of us. Forgiveness is never about the other person. No matter what role you feel in laboring for forgiveness. But forgiveness is always about your faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll reiterate what I began with. Forgiveness is never easy. Friends, nothing compares to the joy of reconciliation. The third role we see here is the role that Paul sits in. It's the role I'll call the ambassador. The ambassador is one who strives for peace as a third party to brokenness. In other words, Paul had no direct connection to the brokenness between these two men, but he had a connection to at least one of them, and in this situation, to both of them. He serves as the ambassador for peace in Philemon. We should not infer that Onesimus resisted in asking for forgiveness. Listen, hesitation and understanding that it's going to be hard is not necessarily resistance. We should not infer that Philemon resisted forgiving Onesimus. I don't believe that that's in fact true. I think Philemon granted forgiveness as difficult as we can acknowledge it was simply because if he hadn't, I don't think this letter would have ever made it into the canon of Scripture. This is a demonstration of the gospel from first to last. But even willingness often needs strong encouragement to labor for forgiveness. And the role of ambassador is the one that brings the encouragement so that the offender and the forgiver can get together for forgiveness to take place and reconciliation to emerge. Paul tells Philemon to regard Onesimus as he would treat Paul himself as a brother And then he says, any debt that he's incurred, put it on my account. I'll pay for it. He honors Philemon's sacrifice. This is important, and I will come back to this before the end of the sermon. Paul honors Philemon's sacrifice that he incurred, but he doesn't allow the sacrifice to dominate or subvert the joy that reconciliation will bring. He tells Philemon this. He says, maybe it was for this very reason that he left you. That he could return as a brother, as a co-laborer for the gospel. Friends, I'm going to tell you what. That's the very place that I'm laboring today to bring you to through forgiveness. That you might see all brokenness, not only in your life, but specifically in relationships of your life. That you can see them through the lens of the gospel. So that God can't just make it right, but more than right. He can bring full reconciliation through it. Hebrews 12, 14 tells us, Strive for peace with everyone. And these three roles labor for forgiveness because Christians pursue forgiveness in order to strive 
for peace. Friends, today we're talking about Christians laboring for forgiveness, that we might display God's love in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing I want you to see today is three motivations for us that Paul sets forth very explicitly. The first motivation is this. Christians forgive to obey God and to strengthen the gospel in their own heart. Verses 4 through 7, Paul lays forth the very foundation for why he appeals to Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And it's because he appeals to him out of obedience and that the gospel might be strengthened in his own heart. He celebrates the love and the faith that Philemon has demonstrated in his life. And then here's what he prays for Philemon. He prays this, that his faith might come to the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Good grief. It's like he's penetrated to the depths of this man. And he says, I want to find every twinkle of gospel light in you and I want to bring it together so that the light of the gospel and every good thing that God's ever done in you might be cast upon the darkness of the brokenness of this relationship and not left in the dark but brought into the light. What does it mean for faith to become effective for the full knowledge? That this prayer that Paul prayed for Philemon Friends, it simply means this, that what we know to be true of God becomes the defining reality in our life. Spiritual truth through obedience becomes the defining reality for how we live. Paul prays that what Philemon knows to be true about God will become the defining reality of his life in obeying God. Because friends, when we obey God, We value spiritual truths above all that we might live out God's will in our life. That's the highest good that we have on this earth is to do God's will. There is no greater good we can do on this earth than God's will. And spiritual truth orients our lives to the Lord Jesus. His word commands us to honor God above all, to love people over things, to love others over self, to love righteousness over self-justification or self-vengeance. You see, obedience brings the power of God's truth to the reality of our everyday life. That's what obedience does for us. And that's what Paul is laboring for in the life of Philemon. The spiritual truth that Paul wants to bring to fullness is stated for us in in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 37, when he says this, Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Now that causes us to ask a question. Is my forgiveness from God dependent upon my forgiving others? I'll just give a very simple, direct answer to that question. Yes, it is. And let me tell you why. It's not because God can't or won't forgive us. For God has already secured our forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ. But when we fail to forgive, we reject God's forgiveness. You see, Paul commands that as Christ has forgiven you, you also must forgive. Colossians 3.13 So when we fail to forgive others, we claim that God has not completely forgiven us. And the person who wants to experience God's forgiveness in their life must practice forgiveness with their life. Christ's cross not only secures our forgiveness, 
But more importantly, friends, it enables us to forgive. The cross of Christ is not only what secures our forgiveness, but it enables our obedience to forgive. Sin is the highest offense because it denies holiness. So when God forgives our sin, he cosmically declares forgiveness as of supreme glory. But when Christians refuse to forgive, they claim that a situation they're in is hopeless, that a relationship they're in is unsalvageable, that a a chasm that has been created between them and another person or persons is uncrossable, that, that there is an offense that is actually unworthy of redemption, or that there is a person that is too bad to be forgiven. Your personal relationship with God is incomparably more difficult than any act of forgiveness you might dare claim undoable between you and another. When Christians refuse to forgive, whether it's as the forgiver, whether it's in asking for it as the offender, or whether it's in laboring for it as the ambassador, we tell Jesus this, that his cross and his suffering does not compare to my pain and my offense. Our lack of willingness to forgive is not about just trying to move on and forget. Our lack of forgiving or our lack of willingness to forgive and leaving a relationship or a situation unreconciled is just disobedience to God. It's the denial of the spiritual truths of God. It is the accusation that God is a liar. It is the accusation that God is a deceiver. And friends, there is no greater accusation against God that a Christian can make than to withhold forgiveness towards another when we have been forgiven by God. Christians forgive to experience God's truth through obedience. Every experience of your relationship with God through Jesus depends upon this. Every expression of your relationship with God depends upon this. That you love others in the way God has loved you. That you obey the spiritual truths that God gives in His Word. That you forgive as God has forgiven you. And you see, Jesus becomes more hopeful to us when we forgive because He is the only explanation that makes forgiveness make sense. I'm going to repeat that because it's so vital for us today. Jesus becomes more hopeful to us when we forgive because He is the only explanation that makes forgiveness make sense. Every act of forgiveness that we grant to another strengthens God's forgiveness for us that is given through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness almost never makes sense in this world, friends. But it always makes us obedient to God. Christians forgive to obey God so that they can strengthen the gospel in their own heart. The second motivation we see here today is simply this, that Christians forgive in order to cultivate God's love for reconciliation. Christians forgive in order to cultivate God's love for reconciliation. Paul begins with love. He makes a strong appeal to Philemon out of love. Brother, I love you. He makes a strong appeal to forgive Onesimus because of God's love. There's that defining motivation. Paul cultivates God's love in Philemon to forgive 
and to reconcile the relationship that is broken. You see, cultivating God's love means that we value others in gospel terms and we go to them. Paul went to Philemon via a letter because he was the ambassador and because he knew Philemon needed to reconcile with Onesimus as well as Onesimus with Philemon. And Paul appeals not to his own authority, though he says, and I'm going to tell you this is a high and lofty authority, I don't need to appeal to my own authority, but if I do need to, I can. Because you owe me your very life. So if you need me to call in a favor, I will, but I don't want to do that here. I want to cultivate the love of God that I am confident is in you. He doesn't appeal to their relationship. You're a brother. Would you not just do it for me? He doesn't even appeal to any personal right. But rather, he appeals for God's love that he knows is in Philemon. Why does he do this? Why doesn't he just take a lesser appeal that might have a stronger initial leverage to make Philemon do something and get it done? Because he doesn't want the reconciliation to hinge on his relationship with Philemon or any other earthly manner. He wants the reconciliation to be grounded only on the love of God in Christ Jesus on the cross, crucified for us, and that alone. Because that is the only reconciliation that will last beyond this earth into all eternity. And at the end of the day, Paul is an ambassador for forgiveness, but he can't make forgiveness happen that lasts. Paul appeals for God's love that he knows is in Philemon. Philemon, or excuse me, Onesimus is, is obviously not the same man who robbed and wronged Philemon. Even though, and I'll unpack this more in a moment, even though Philemon is fully justified if he makes him pay the consequences. Because that's in a lot of your mind. Yeah, but he wronged him and he robbed him. That's right. And if Philemon makes him pay the consequences, he is fully justified. But that's why I've told you, friends, forgiveness doesn't always make sense, but it always makes us obedient. Christian, your failure to forgive not only condemns the one you withhold forgiveness from, but it fractures every relationship that you have. Let me tell you why. Because Paul says to Philemon, he says, I'm sending my very heart. That's how he qualified Onesimus. That's what kind of value he had for him. Not only because he'd become a Christian, but because they were co-laborers together now. He had become an assistant to Paul, and he was helping him in his gospel ministry. And when we are able to quarantine an individual or a certain situation off and go, I'll be a Christian to all of these other situations and to all of these other people, but to you, I will deny the gospel. We just took Jesus out of the center of our life. We replaced him on our throne. Now it doesn't hinge on the gospel, but we've used the gospel for our will and our desire. And every relationship that doesn't satisfy my cause and my desire is fractured because I'll cut you off as quickly as I cut that person off. Don't offend me. Our relationship depends upon it. That's what he is arguing for here. If you can withhold forgiveness from anyone, you will withhold it from anyone. Christian love always prioritizes a gospel value on and for people. 
I've often been asking forgiveness from people who are uh, working through how they need to go about seeking forgiveness in the right way. And here's what they say to me. Pastor, what about people who aren't expecting us? What if the Spirit of God convicts me of something today and, and I realize that's been years? I'm not even exactly sure where that person is. Or, you know, there's been at least enough time for water to pass under the bridge. For me to bring that up, I would have to, you know, shake off some dust. I might have to dig down a foot or two, right? I mean, if we had to dig six feet, it's probably close to dead already. But if we're just having to dig six inches or 12 inches, it's just been buried by other priorities. So, so what about people that aren't expecting us? Or what about people that don't really want to hear from us? Do I have to go to them as well? Should we go to them? Well, let me just make this argument from the book of Philemon. Philemon had very likely moved on. Because of the offense that was taken against him. And we know that he had not allowed it to hinder his work in the gospel. For the church had been strengthened in Colossae because of his work. Because of his home for crying out loud. And giving them a place to live. So we know it had, he had moved on. But that he was not expecting Onesimus. And surely as we've already said. He was not expecting Onesimus with a letter from Paul. Saying anything other than, have your way with him, right? But here are two men. Onesimus says, you know, I've spent everything that I robbed from him. And it is not going to be pretty if I go back to him. And Paul says, you need to take this letter and you need to hand it to him yourself. And you stand there quiet until he reads it and until he responds. You see, friends, Jesus is the greatest act of forgiveness. He came to people who were not looking for Him. He came to people who were not asking for Him. He came to people that didn't want Him. Scripture says we were His enemies when He showed up. And yet He held nothing back. Christian, we have no right to not forgive others. Cultivating God's love through forgiveness means embracing a person, not just forgetting a wrong. That's how we diminish the definition of forgiveness so often, is I'll just forget about it and move on. But forgetting about something is not forgiveness. God reconcil- or God's love reconciles people and relationships, not just things and ledgers. Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon because two people that remained separated needed to be uh, 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 reconciled. And if they remain separated, they cannot be reconciled. Friends, listen to me. You cannot ignore the other person or persons involved in the offense, whether you're the forgiver or the offender, and think that forgiveness can be granted no matter what role you play. People that were involved in the situation must be included in the forgiveness if reconciliation is to be complete and to take place in the midst of this. Forgiveness demands a face-to-face encounter with your offenses 
and with your offenders. You must confess the offense and repent of it. And part of your repentance is going back to your offender or the one you offended and repenting and asking for forgiveness. And here I'll put two qualifications on this because some of you are sitting in the rooms today and the Spirit of God is bringing to your heart and to your mind situations where you have no clue where the person is. You, you may know that they've even passed from this world. And you say, well, that's impossible. I can't go back to them. So here's my qualification about the face-to-face is that whenever it is possible and to whatever degree possible, but do not dismiss it because that degree is inconvenience. You need to look them in the eye. Do not write an email. I hate email. I get myself in all kind of trouble in emails because I say what I'm thinking. Poorly. Thinking poorly and saying it poorly, I'm sure. As far as it depends upon you, as far as you are able to, get personal with the person so that you can labor for reconciliation through forgiveness. Cultivating God's love means we look to the cross of Jesus where God's love is on full display. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God's love sent Jesus to us as a man. And then as a perfect man, Jesus faced His offenders and His accusers. And they cried, Crucify Him. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. Forgive them. The cross of Christ displays God's love to forgive that brings a full reconciliation. Paul tells the Galatians that the cross is the Christian's only boast. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, Galatians 6. Paul encourages Philemon to look to Jesus in his own heart in verse 14 and then submit his relationship with Onesimus not to his own will but to the will of God and let Christ be the defining reason for reconciliation. You see, Christians view all of life through the cross to forgive because only the cross shows a love that justifies forgiveness. There is no other justification for forgiveness in the world that will withstand any demand that's placed upon it. The relationships that you have, when you grant forgiveness out of the goodness of your own heart, but that's the extent of your forgiveness, when your goodness is gone or the demand of your goodness exceeds what is present, you'll not grant it. But friends, the cross is the only thing that makes sense of any offense, of any wrong, to be forgiven and reconciled. Why? Because it reconciles us through forgiveness in the greatest offense against holiness. Therefore, we can't say that nothing else is worthy to be left unforgiven. Until the cross becomes your justification, your forgiveness will be little more than another reason that someone owes you and that you can withhold love from them. You see, friends, the only way to receive God's forgiveness is to come face to face with the cross of Jesus Christ and see and accept and receive how He has loved you. And the only way to extend God's forgiveness is to face that same cross of Jesus Christ and to see why it is worth you to obey and how you can be strengthened to carry 
it through. Friends, forgiveness is never about being strong enough to do something for God, but being humble and submissive enough to let God do His work in you and through you. That's what forgiveness is all about. Don't look at how you can perform for God. See what God wants to do in you. Cultivating God's love means we embrace others through gospel reconciliation. That's what Paul is laboring for here. That God's love enables this forgiveness that that makes an enemy uh, into family. And that's what God has done for us. He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to put up with you. But he says, rather, I'm going to adopt you. He doesn't say, I'll let you exist. He says, I'll make you my child. There's not just a, let's just move on past it, but rather let's reconcile this relationship all the way. Gospel-fueled forgiveness reconciles relationships with God and with other people. And what Christians do is what Paul is commending Philemon to do with Onesimus, is to embrace the other person that is embroiled in brokenness, embracing them with forgiveness because God has loved us even when we were his enemy. Even then. So our second motivation is that Christians forgive to cultivate God's love for reconciliation. We cannot claim the name of Christ and refuse to forgive another person. The third motivation is this. Christians forgive to refresh God's people and to strengthen gospel mission. Paul asked Philemon to consider their partnership and to receive Onesimus as a brother. In other words, Paul says to him, don't focus on the wrong done, focus on the gospel and our mission for which we partner. Philemon is a brother and a partner in the gospel to Paul. He obeys Jesus and he serves to strengthen others we see early on in the book. He shares his faith and wins people to faith in Jesus. He partners with others to multiply his gospel impact. And so we can read this book and we can ask of Philemon, how could Philemon possibly serve God to see the whole world converted yet withhold forgiveness from a brother because of a personal offense? That's a valid question, is it not? And really, more than we need the answer to that question is simply this. How can we? How can we if we sit in unforgiveness today? Forgiveness demands great personal sacrifice because forgiveness from God was only secured by the most serious ultimate sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And you see, forgiveness that reflects Christ's ultimate sacrifice always demands self-denial and personal sacrifice. I told you I would come back to this and I want to get back to it. Forgiveness allows for repayment. And quite honestly, as as Christians, if we're the offending party, we ought to be ready to repay in any way and every way that we possibly can. But forgiveness, though it allows for repayment, does not demand it. Paul recognizes and assumes the debt that Onesimus owes. And what does he say? Put it on my account. You see, you can't ignore details of the offense and believe that forgiveness can actually be granted. Repentance deals with details. Not so it can fuel the fire of hurt, but rather so it can quench every ember of offense that is fueling it. 
Every sinful deed demands repentance. One day, God will bring every act, every thought, and every inclination of our heart into account. You think God's not concerned with the details? I say absolutely He is, because when He forgave us, He forgave us to the nth of every detail of our life. And God wants us to do the same, to labor for forgiveness. You see, forgiveness rooted in gospel addresses every act of offense in order to credit it against Christ's cross, which is a sufficient payment for all evil and to bring full reconciliation. And here's what I'll say to you, friends. If you're reeling from a sacrifice that that has been inflicted upon you and you're wondering, can I forgive this person for that? That the sacrifice that forgiveness demands... In all the ledgers of Philemon for everything he took a hit on because of Onesimus. That sacrifice will never be greater than the joy that reconciliation brings through the gospel. Love that forgives and reconciles provides the greatest refreshment for God's people. When the love of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ fuels forgiveness that brings reconciliation between people, the kingdom of God rejoices. We rejoiced in the first service and they said they had a party in heaven when Lisey Thompson got baptized today because she'd become a believer. The kingdom of God celebrates. The people of God are refreshed because our hearts are lifted at the work of God. And the mission of God is strengthened by what God is doing when his people lay down their personal rights and their self-justifications and they trust only in the gospel to see God do a saving work among them. Might I refer once again to the church in South Carolina and the shooting? And amidst all the cloudiness that is sure to unfurl continually into this next week and and beyond from that, let me just tell you what our hearts should be refreshed by. Because of all the articles you read and all the videos you see, there is one that should trump them all for us. And it is the videos of the families of those who lost their life within days of it happening, forgiving the attacker. You say, yeah, they probably weren't serious about it. Friends, I don't don't care. Who are we to judge that? Just to even have the strength to say the words, I forgive you. To the one that took your loved one's life. That's the strength of God. Don't let that be clouded. Because the mission of God, though it was a horrendous act, God can bring good even from that. And as Christians, we must be praying fervently that he will, that he'll bring a good that cannot compare but is more glorious than the tragedy that was inflicted. Christians labor for forgiveness to display God's love in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to return. I wonder how many of us today are living in broken relationships because we've withheld forgiveness. How many of you today are living in broken situations because we've demanded our rightness? Because simply we failed to pursue forgiveness. Friends, you can't make someone a Christian because you labor for forgiveness or because you forgive them. But you can show that you are a Christian by laboring for forgiveness and you will show them God's love in Jesus Christ to bring forgiveness. My heart is tender today for our church because I know this is hard 
I also know the many situations within the church that stand in need of forgiveness. Deeply personal situations. And maybe you find yourself in one of those today. Let me just encourage you with the songs of an old hymn where you'll find help to strengthen you to do what God's calling you to do in laboring for forgiveness. It came on this week as I was studying and preparing for the sermon. just simply says this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to Him in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged but to take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow bear? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus is a faithful friend. And He will be your faithful companion as you labor and pursue forgiveness in whatever role He's calling you to take today. I'm going to close asking three quick questions and then I'm going to ask some elders to come to the front and I'm going to ask you to come as the Spirit of God leads you and let the elders minister to you in prayer and encourage you to strengthen you to pursue forgiveness first of all I ask you this who needs forgiveness in your life is it somebody you've offended is it someone who's offended you someone you know that's living in the midst of a broken situation who needs forgiveness in your life the second question I would ask you is this what role can you serve in laboring for forgiveness and finally will you commit today to pursue forgiveness that the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's love through it might be put on full display in your life. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing. Heavenly Father, help us today, because you will deal with us at our deepest hurts, our strongest wants, even to the point of vengeance. But God, what you're calling us to today is to lay down our justifications and to take up the cross of Christ only through which forgiveness will ever make sense. Friends, I'm going to ask you as we stand and begin to sing to come. Let us minister to you. Let us strengthen you for the work that God is leading you in. Let's stand together and sing as you come.